It is Friday, December 9th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Rams with an improbable win on Thursday Night Football. The Atlanta Falcons have a new quarterback. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Baker Mayfield tops off a miraculous comeback. The Rams beat the Raiders 17-16. The Falcons are benching Marcus Mariota in favor of rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter. And Caleb Williams wins a couple of Heisman precursors. What is the Vegas lead? The Vegas lead is going to be Thursday night football in a game that seemed like one team did not care about who they were playing. And that was the Raiders against the Rams. Raiders came into this game six and a half, seven point favorites over the Rams. The Rams, it looked like it was going to be John Wolford, who would, I guess, did he take one snap? Yeah, he came out for the first series only. Start the game. And then it was Baker Mayfield, who just arrived into town two days ago and played the entire game. I say all the time, Baker Mayfield reminds me, like, I I bet Baker Mayfield was really good at backyard football, like running around, just making stuff happen. And I guess if you've only got, uh, if you've only got two days to figure things out, two days and one series, you you know enough, you say, okay, let me go out there and play some backyard. And Baker, to his credit, uh, well, listen, first of all, they stunk for almost the entire game. The Rams Mm -hmm. offense did. Give credit to the Rams defense that kept them in this game. And give credit to Baker Mayfield down the stretch in the last five minutes of the game when the pressure was on. He had to get something done, made it happen. This was so unlikely. In the last five seasons, this ties for the most unlikely outcome per our fourth quarter win share, pregame.com's fourth quarter win share. 88% chance the Raiders win that game and they find a way to lose. That's unbelievable. You know what I was just thinking about? Were were John Wolford props available? I'm sure they were. Because the fact that he actually took snaps, those bets are now valid. Yeah. So any bet you had on a John Wolford under, cash. Although I don't know if it's because he's not going to show up in the box score because he didn't attempt to pass. But he – see, and then it comes down to the sportsbook rules because he, he did take a snap. He yeah. got credit for game time. He played. And I think it would matter. Like maybe, maybe, maybe the books say if you're doing under passing yards, it might say player must attempt a pass. Yeah. As opposed to player must play in the game. Because he didn't attempt to pass. He did play. Kind of strange. I don't know why. Maybe it has something to do with his contract. Maybe he gets an incentive for starting games. And the Rams threw him a bone saying, Hey, listen, we know we're just kind of took your job away, but we're going to let you get this start here, hand the ball a couple of times, and there you go. I'm going to say something. I want you to agree with me or disagree with me. And it's easy to say this the day after the Rams and Baker Mayfield leads the Rams to a win. The Panthers let the best quarterback on their roster go for nothing. And the Panthers are in the playoff mix. Yeah. Like they could legit, not only in the playoff mix, they could host a home game. If they make the playoffs, and I'm not saying Baker was terrible in Carolina. There's no denying it. But they're two games out of first place, Mm -hmm. and they let the quarterback that gives them the best chance to win games this year leave for nothing. Paid him to leave. Yeah. I I just – I don't get it. I didn't really get it at the time. Uh, And, by the way, per 538, uh, Panthers have the second best chance – to win the NFC South, ten percent. The Bucks at ninety percent. They're giving the Falcons and Saints zero chance. I was rounded a little bit. Falcons three percent. Okay, Falcons have three percent. They are. Uh, they do have a win in hand over the Panthers. So I guess that that's something. Uh, they're five and eight. The Panthers are at four and eight. But I I just don't understand the logic. And if you're the Panthers, you have to be sitting back going, "We picked Sam Darnold. Yeah, we picked PJ. Walker. Like Sam Darnold has a long history of being bad at football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baker Mayfield." I don't think he was ever great, but
but there's been signs of greatness from Baker Mayfield. And so just because he had six games where he was awful, and again, he was awful in Carolina, the upside is still greater than it is with Sam Darnold. And it, if you're four and eight trying to make the playoffs, all you should be looking at is upside, potential upside. Uh, as much as we want to celebrate Baker Mayfield, and, and we should, uh, Baker Mayfield was 0-22 in his career as a starting quarterback when trailing by 13 or more points. Well, remember. He didn't start. That stat holds firm. Yeah. Uh, but this is <laughs> Sorry, Baker. He's 2-1 and one off the bench when trailing by 13 or that more. That includes this one? That includes that win last night. So, so John Wolford got the win, and Tyrod Taylor back in the day got the win. Yeah, That's funny. off the bench. Yeah. So it, it's, it's really interesting because, again, as much as I want to give Baker the credit, 98-yard drive, no timeouts, incredible. He, they deserve to celebrate that. The Raiders last night played one of the more embarrassing games that we've seen this season. They approached this game like they were already given a win, and this was a scrimmage. Opening drive was fantastic. They marched right down the field. I think you should specify the offense did. Yeah. The Raiders' defense was phenomenal to the last three minutes of the game. The Rams' offense is terrible. There's, they got nothing. They got Baker Mayfield, the quarterback. Okay. <laughs> so you sound like the Ra- like you're I saying thought. the Raiders sound. Exactly. You're saying, so, well, we just, all we got to do is roll out the helmet. So, listen, they marched down There's the no field. There's no Aaron Donald out there either, by the way. Marched down the field, score a touchdown, easy, hot knife through butter, opening drive. Second drive, march it down, settle for a field goal, okay. Third drive, same thing, march it down, settle for a field goal, okay. Then the Derek Carr interception inside the 10-yard line changed the whole game. Hit as he was throws, is throwing the ball, and it throw, basically throws a pop-up. It was not – I mean, he could have – you could throw it harder underhand yeah. than the way that he – the way that that ball just lofted up into the end zone. My 10-year-old picks that yeah. off. The Raiders get any points there, they don't lose this game. I if think you right. If they – I'm not talking about a touchdown. If they get a field goal. Any yep. points there – they don't lose this game. But instead, it's 13-3 at the half instead of being 16-3 or 20-3. And then in the second half, Raiders had no offense whatsoever. Just no offense. They just they couldn't do anything. They went three and out twice. Yep. And could it, could it have been with Jacobs being a little bit banged up? He had the hand injury and whatever. Maybe he was a little hesitant holding the football, running the football. I don't know. They came out of the locker room thinking the game was already won because they they did not show up in the second half. Well, Raiders had five drives in the second half, three three and outs, one interception on the first play, and another drive. Yeah, the field goal drive. Yep. So three three and outs out of four drives in the second half. Can you can you tell me, McKenzie, what because this game ended up basically 30-30 on time of possession. Can you tell me what time of possession was going into the fourth quarter? Yes. Yeah, because I mean, it felt like the entire fourth quarter, the uh, the the Rams had the ball, and the, the well, like Raiders. Yeah, the, the, the Raiders went three and out, three and out. Yeah, and it, but they it, it wasn't like they were milking clock until mm-hmm. that last drive. Yeah, it was just dumb football, and it goes back to what I've I've been saying. I think Josh McDaniels is a really good play caller. I think Josh McDaniels is a really bad head coach. Yes, both those things can be true. Yes, and I think with him they are both true. Yeah, and the Raiders have two too good of a roster to be what they are. Like, like this is a, a disappointing result. Uh, not just this game, which is obviously disappointing, but I, it feels like the, the entire season is, is disappointing. Raiders 11 minutes, the Rams four minutes in the final quarter. Uh, I'll tell you right Can't now. Can't let that happen. I know that it's, it's hard to look ahead to a team when you are when you have a short week, right? Because not a short week, a, next, uh, a long week. You know what I'm saying? Like the like the the Raiders have a ten days off now yeah. before their next game. It's a mini buy. But I got a feeling after watching this performance, Josh McDaniels is thinking about the Patriots already and wasn't thinking about this Rams team. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I, I'll say this: it felt like Baker Mayfield for the first time in a while was playing with nothing to lose. He, well, he's got nothing to lose. He, and I think that's it helps. And I think the fact that they were – he's also playing like a guy with no expectations right now. Yeah. And this is the – I think it's the first time maybe in his career that he's been able to play like a guy with no expectations. And I think that's good for a guy like Baker Mayfield. 
You know, I I feel like he was just able to go out there and say, you know what, let's just let's just go out there and make it happen. See what happens. You think Aaron Donald was watching this game and thinking, you know, I'm going to play next week? Maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, they're still four and nine. It's still a dead season. Uh, and and if anything, <laughs> I, I you know what? It's funny because a game like this could lead into if Baker Mayfield has a good rest of the season. I wouldn't be shocked if Baker Mayfield gets a, a one-year deal for the Rams next year. Like if he's if he's on the team, uh, because again, I the the long term of Matt Stafford is up in the air. Mm-hmm. Like whether he's going to retire, what what's going to happen with him, I don't really know. But I do know Sean McVay has always had a shine for Baker Mayfield, and that's why that's why he Signed, claimed yeah. him off waivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there were people on Twitter saying well, the 49ers should have gone out and got. Well, it wouldn't have mattered if the 49ers wanted him. The the Rams, yeah, because they were three and nine, had priority. But I think that Sean McVay has always kind of, uh, kind of ch- like like the idea of having Baker Mayfield for a long effort. Personality said at halftime. Yeah, and and you know what? Now he's got him. And again, even with McVay, there's no expectations here. When you've got Matt Stafford playing. The expectations are high. If anybody looked at this Rams roster going into tonight and said, Sean McVay, you better start winning some games. Yeah. Like, come on. Sean McVay's coming off a Super Bowl year. He's got maybe the worst roster in the NFL that was on the field tonight. Mm-hmm. Anything good that happens is all gravy to a guy like Sean McVay. Yeah. Let's just hold up with uh, you know, our boosting up of the Rams after this win because there were about eight or nine plays in this game that could have ended the game. And if the Rams lose this game, we're singing a much different tune right now. We're not praising them. We're not praising Baker. We're saying, you know, this is a lost season. They're going to let Baker ride it out. And this is going to be a team that loses their early draft pick to the Detroit Lions. That's all the conversation would be. So let's just hold off on, let's pump the brakes a little bit about celebrating Baker and the Rams. Yes, they deserve all the accolades from the win, but if they're in offsides on a punt, the taunting after a sack, you know, there, there were a bunch of mistakes oh, by the Raiders that it could sounds have ended like, the game. It sounds like the Raiders are a dumb team. Yes, they are. Oh, think about this. The Raiders lost to a quarterback that had a whole different playbook 48 hours ago. <laughs> it hasn't been that long since the Raiders lost to a team coached by an ESPN analyst. Like, this is not a it, – it's an inexplicably bad football team mm-hmm. that lets these things happen. It, yep. it, and it can only be coaching because you can't look at the Raiders roster and go, man, they just don't have what it takes. Like, Derek Carr, it, at minimum, is a well above average quarterback. You have one of the best wide receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. You have the Josh Jacobs has been, right yeah, has been one of the best running backs in the league. You've got one of the best pass rushers in the league. You've got a lot of things in place that that most NFL teams would cherish. Mm-hmm. Yet somehow they stink. Yep. It's got to be coaching. I would agree. Let's run through the Sunday slate NFL Week 14 action. We go to Orchard Park, New York, where the Bills, the only team that plays in New York, will play against the New York Jets from New Jersey. The Bills up to a 10-point favorite in this game, AJ, with a total of 43. Yeah, this is a, an interesting game because Mike White, last year when he played Buffalo, played one of the worst QB games that's ever been played. Five turnovers, got benched for Joe Flacco, uh, and you and I have different feelings about that. For you, it's like Mike White's going to come back thinking, yeah. I want revenge. To me, the Bills have already lost a game to the Jets this year, and they want revenge. Uh, I I lean to the Bills. I think the the shift from the Bills being a great team to a good team has been on the defensive side. Uh, and based on how, how the Bills' D looked last week against the Patriots, I feel like that might be fixed. And I don't think Josh Allen's going to turn over more than Mike White does. Yeah, that's true. I just think 10 is way too much for a divisional game. Um, but we'll see. You're right. The Bills are playing with revenge. But this is a different Jets team. They average over 28 points per game with Mike White at quarterback. So the Bills certainly will have to lock it down defensively. The Browns take on the Bengals. Speaking of revenge spots, Bengals now down to five and a half. So money coming in on Deshaun Watson and the Browns. It surprises me. Uh, I, I lean to the Bengals here. I think the Browns are so much worse on offense with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And I don't think that's going to be the long-term situation. But I think as it stands right now, they took away the strength of their team, which was their offense, and basically hit reset on it. 
I, I don't see how they perform well against this Bengals team that is, A, on fire right now, and B, motivated because they're one game behind the top two teams in the AFC for a first-round bye, mm-hmm. and they already have a tiebreaker with Kansas City. As long as they don't lose another game, they play Buffalo. They they control their destiny for the number one overall yeah, seed. Yeah, and Lamar being out makes them think that the division sure. is theirs. And what's interesting is, uh, according to our you know composite quarterback rankings, taking the PFF grade and the ESPN QBR grade, Jacoby Brissett's the seventh ranked quarterback in the NFL. And you, know, you just I'm you, telling you, you, you just good. rush that guy to the, to the side He's because good. you paid up to Sean Watson. And you got to let him play. Uh, the Cowboys up to seventeen and a half point favorites over the Houston Texans. It's a crazy number, but there's no way in hell you can play the Texans right now. This is a a team that is done, washed. They're zeros right now. Maybe look at Cowboys team total. I think Cowboys team total over is the way to go. Thirty one is the number. Very manageable, I think. The Cowboys have been running the score up. They're averaging 37 points per game since Dak came back. Now they're playing the Texans. I feel like they should be able to run things up. In a game that is probably the most polarizing line of the week, the Lions, a two-point favorite over the Minnesota Vikings with a total of 51.5. The over is the only way I can look in this game. Yeah, these are two really good offenses and two really questionable defenses. And the Lions at home score over 30 points a game. I'm not I, – I think – if you got the the Lions at the look ahead with a plus by their name, yeah, great job. If you're still hoping on game day to to play the Lions, I think you're late to the party. Yeah, this is so interesting because it's it's been such a discussion all week. People are like, oh, it's a trap line, and there's no such thing as trap lines, guys. This is what Vegas has these teams power rated at, especially the Lions at home. But people are saying, oh, you know, they want you to take the Vikings, but you know, it's 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 it, think what you want. Just evaluate these teams how you evaluate them. The Lions are good. Mm-hmm. The Vikings have a lot of false victories. I wouldn't be surprised no matter what the outcome is this game. It, it, it happens. If you tell me the Lions win by three, I'll say, yeah, I believe it. If you tell me the Vikings win this game by double digits, I would believe you also. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked by anything in this game except for an under because I like over 51.5. Jaguars and the Titans, Tennessee down to three-and-a-half point favorites over the Jags. You know me. I, I can't stand the Jaguars. Yeah, I, I'm I'm done talking about the Jags, and right now there, there's too, there's too many quarterback questions for me to have any interest in this game. I don't know how healthy Ryan Tannehill is. I don't know how healthy Trevor Lawrence is. Without knowing that, I can't make a, a good play on either team. I will say this: Titans nine and one straight up. Their last ten against Jacksonville, eight and two ATS, and the Jaguars haven't won in Nashville since 2013. Yep, they only them. covered once. In that span. They own them. And we've talked about this earlier in the season, but that whole division, everybody owns each other. It's like the Jags always beat the Colts in Jacksonville. Titans always beat the Jags in Tennessee. The Eagles and the Giants from what should be rainy MetLife Stadium. Eagles, seven-point favorites, total 44-and-a-half. I'm on the under in this game. Yeah, I, I don't. Re- I, this is one of the games that uh, I, I don't really have a good feel for. So, I, in fact, I'm not going to BS anything. I'll just say pass. You know, the weather report did change. It went from 79% chance of precipitation to 63% oh. chance of precipitation. So maybe uh, the, the the winds are a changing. You have a, a lean to, a, to on a side, Giants. Okay. Yeah, just I, I think it's going to be a low scoring physical divisional game where it's going to, I expect it to be cold and rainy. I think both teams are just going to run the football. It's going to be a very bruising game. I, I will say, did you see the the injury report? Saquon Barkley neck. Mm. That's one of the things if, if, on the injury report. There's a couple things you see that make you go. Ooh, yeah. Neck is one of those things for a running back that makes me think he ain't playing. And if he doesn't play, I don't know if the giants have a chance. I think if there was any indication that he wasn't going to play, this line would be eight and a half. Okay. So uh, I, I would hold off uh, for right now. Ravens and Steelers, speaking of a good divisional game, Pittsburgh, two point favorites over the Lamarless Ravens with a total of 36 and a half. Man, that's low. It is a very low scoring game, but I do think that that's, that's the right move. Uh, these is two teams that are going to run the football here. Uh, Ravens on a backup quarterback. They're both great against the run with T.J. Watt since he's been back. They've been great against the run. Uh, Roquan Smith's been a huge addition to Baltimore's Mm -hmm. defense. Neither one of these teams really has outside weapons to throw to right now. 
I think the under's a good look here. And Harbaugh, 16-7 and seven ATS as a division dog. What about teasing the Ravens up to eight? I think that's a good idea. These teams always play close yeah. games. If you can get eight, if you can get more than a touchdown with either one of these teams, I, I think that's the right play. Tease Minnesota up to eight and tease the Ravens up. But to you're eight. saying you could Minnesota. You think is a high variance game? It's a very high variance game. Yeah. I could see both. I could see either side winning. What I would say is, if you see the Eagles push above seven, that's a good time to tease them down. Yeah, especially if Saquon doesn't play, yeah. then you know. Or. How about this game? The Chiefs and the Broncos. Kansas City, nine and a half point favorites on the road. Man, if I told you before the season started that the Broncos at home would be nine and a half point dogs, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I wouldn't believe this it. Year. But I'm telling you, don't just feel like the Chiefs are going to blow out the Broncos because everybody who felt like the Ravens were going to blow out the Broncos last week mm -hmm. felt real dumb the next day. This Broncos team is legit on one side of the ball. And everybody was like, well, they're going to quit on that side of the ball. <laughs> they're not quitting on that side of the ball. They're, they're going to keep doing what they do. And everybody, at the end of the season, everybody's going, man, imagine if we had some good quarterback players, some good coaching. Can't do anything about the quarterback play. You're stuck with that guy. You may see a new coach. And all these defensive guys want to have good film of, the, uh, of good hard play through the mm -hmm. end of the season. Well, speaking of rain, like I talked about at MetLife Stadium, there is rain in the forecast in Santa Clara, California. The Buccaneers and the 49ers. Brock Purdy gets the start against Tom Brady. Niners laying three and a half. I love the Niners here, and I know it's everybody's going to say, well, they don't have a quarterback. I don't really care. I, I don't. Anytime I bet on the 49ers, I'm not betting on them for their quarterback play. <laughs> I, I think they are the best roster in the league outside of quarterback. And they are good enough at skill positions, good enough on the offensive line, good enough on defense, and most importantly, well enough coached that they can get Brock Purdy through. Is he going to get through a bunch of games? I don't know. Is he going to make the, the Super Bowl? I think that's kind of pie in the sky. Mm -hmm. But can he beat a Buccaneers team that I'm I'm convinced the Bucs stink? Yeah. Like I Tom Brady, everybody's like sucking his balls because he had a comeback win. The coaching for the, for the Saints blew that game. Sure, just like the Rams blew the game against the Bucks a couple weeks back. If the coaching on the opposite teams don't blow those two games, the Bucks are two and eight in their last ten, and no one's pretending like they're anything but a shell of what they were. I think the Bucks are a shell. I think the 49ers are still really good. I just need below average quarter play quarterback mm -hmm. play out of Brock Purdy. I need Brock Purdy not to and this that's the other thing. I don't think Brock Purdy's going to be throwing a lot. Well, that's the thing. If if the if it does rain, I think it actually helps the 49ers because the Bucs can't run the ball at all. Yeah, who's and, counting on a down-the-field offense? Yeah, the Bucs can't run the ball at all, and the 49ers certainly can. So if it does come down to weather impacting this game, I favor the 49ers. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a, a, a more 2021 look to this ran or the 49ers offense. I, if we see Debo running the ball a little bit yeah. more, I think we see some some gadgetry that puts the ball in playmakers' hands yeah, like without it. having to put it in yep. Brock Purdy's hands. I like it a lot. Short passes to McCaffrey as well. Line is 37 and a half for a reason, though. Yep. So weather could impact this game. Panthers at the Seahawks, Seattle laying three and a half. Geno Smith, Sam Darnold. It's a battle of former Jets quarterbacks. Panthers haven't won a road game this year. I don't think they figured it out all of a sudden on the toughest road trip on their schedule. Sam Darnold kept the game close against the Broncos. The Broncos can't score. Everyone knows that. And what we do know about Geno Smith, the Seahawks, they're going to score. Their defense may be flawed. Let's face it, their defense is flawed. But they're going to score. And once Seattle puts points on the board, that puts pressure on Sam Darnold to keep up. And the more Sam Darnold is taking risks and throwing the ball, the more opportunity there is for him to screw it up. I think Sam Darnold's the worst quarterback in the league. I think he screws it up here. Sunday Night Football will wrap up the day. The Dolphins at the Chargers. Miami laying three points, total of 52-and-a-half. My boy Tua against your boy Herbs. Yeah, it was three-and-a-half earlier today, so I think the market correctly pushed back on that. I think three is like... If you think the Dolphins win by three, it's not insane to me. If you think the Dolphins should be favored by more than three on the road, I don't get that, especially given their health situation. And I didn't play it yesterday when it got to three and a half. In hindsight, of course, I wish I would have. 
And if it gets there again, I think that's the way I'm going to look. Play the Chargers three and a half. I, I like Tua in this spot. I think the Dolphins bounce back. They stayed out west, which is uh, you know a, a trick that Mike McDaniel picked up from Kyle Shanahan. And I, I think that this team has a lot to prove after last week's performance. Both these quarterbacks coming off their worst games of the year. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, the other thing, one one team has a head coach that is on the rise. The other I agree one, with that. The other one has a head coach that is coaching the final five games of his tenure. Remember on the Dream Pod, I bet pretty much everybody, Including RJ, me. you, Fez, <laughs> that Staley would be fired and he would not be the coach next year. I also have a bonus bet with RJ that it's going to be Sean Payton as the next head coach of the Chargers. Yeah, I think that the Chargers are too cheap to make that happen. They're still paying Anthony Lynn. They don't want to pay uh, Anthony Lynn and Staley and then pay probably what would be an all-time record head coach contract for Sean Payton. Then they would have to give up a draft pick to the Saints as well. Yes. One thing I will say, uh, the, the Dolphins, bottom five in receiving yards, receptions, and touchdowns allowed to running backs. Austin Eckler leads the league in all three of those categories. Austin Eckler could be in line for a big day. All right, so play Austin Eckler props. A couple of awards handed out in college football and – Caleb Williams, quarterback from USC, wins the Walter Camp Award and the Maxwell Award, which often is a precursor. Uh, Maxwell given out to the best all-around player in college football, often a precursor to the Heisman winner. Yeah, it's very rare that a Maxwell Award winner does not win the Heisman Trophy. It happens in years where it's like it's so close to the side between who's going to be the Heisman and you have an instance where, uh, you know, I'm just going back in history, you know, Sam White, uh, uh, Jason, which is Jason White, Jason White of Oklahoma wins the Maxwell does not win the Heisman. Oh, and then the following year wins the Heisman, yeah. you know, it, things like that. Um, you, you have different Brady Quinn doesn't win the Heisman. He wins the Maxwell. Reggie Bush wins the Heisman. Actually, Vince Young. That never happened. Oh, Vince, Reggie, Vince Reggie Young Bush won the Maxwell the year that Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush won <laughs> yeah. the Heisman. So Brady Quinn was it a Matt Liner year then? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, because one of them happened, one of them didn't happen. Yeah. That's what they want <laughs> us to believe. But, yeah, so it, it, it should be a precursor. Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman Trophy. I talked about this uh, on the college football pod a little bit, that there's definitely, and I don't know this for a fact, but it just happens all the time. There's definitely a large population of voters that submitted their votes prior to the conference championship game. Regular season was over. He earned the award throughout the regular season. They weren't going to let one game deter from them voting for Caleb Williams for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. So they probably submitted their votes prior to the Pac-12 championship game taking place. Was he bad in that game? Yes. Does it take away from the incredible season that he had? Absolutely not. You look at the touchdowns, not just throwing, but rushing as well. And there's really no one that you can argue with. 47 total touchdowns. The next, Max Duggan had 36 for TCU. And I guess you can make an argument for him. He did win the Davey O'Brien Award for the best quarterback. But I think Caleb Williams has already locked up the Heisman. Yeah, you mentioned Max Duggan wins a Davey O'Brien. A couple of other awards. The coach of the year goes to Sonny Dykes. Love it. Uh, in fact, the offensive coordinator for TCU, Garrett Riley, who's the the brother of Lincoln Riley, he won the the Broyles Award for or for the best assistant coach nice. of the year, which means he's probably up for a big job soon. Will Anderson, second year in a row, won the Nagurski Award, also won <sighs> the Bidnarik Award, both given to the best defensive player. Tennessee's Jalen Hyatt. Receives the Bolitnikoff Award for the best receiver in the country, and couldn't get on a, a, the Heisman uh, finalist list. But Texas's Bijan Robinson wins the Doak Walker as the best running back in college football. The only award that I think maybe a little bit of controversy: Brock Bowers won the John Mackey Award for the best tight end. Some would say maybe he shouldn't have won that award. If you, you know, look around the country and you look at the tight end position and you want to see, uh, you know, a guy who put up monster stats, look no further than Notre Dame, who had the best tight end in the country. Michael Mayer, who had 67 catches, 809 yards, and nine touchdowns on the season. Yeah, both guys were excellent this year. I don't think they could have gotten it wrong. So Bowers, 52 catches, Mayer, 67. Bowers, 726 yards, Mayer, 809. Bowers had six touchdowns, Mayer had nine. <laughs> Who's a better blocker? Uh, part, of the, part of the job. Mayer, the number one tight end per PFF. Bowers okay. was seventh. 
All right, we are at the quarterfinal round of the World Cup. I don't like to brag, but I got to uh, co-host the World Cup podcast on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. And that was with, of course, our own Mackenzie Rivers and Griffin Warner, who's a, a soccer guru. What's it? He's been. What's, what's he up? How many units is he up in betting soccer, betting Euro soccer this year? You know, with the Asian handicaps and everything, is hard to, to figure. But I know this: he's forty games above five hundred on the season. I, that's it's hard to lose when you're forty games above five hundred. Exactly I can tell right. you that. So uh, you know what? We talked to him. I'm Scott. I don't know if you want to try to break down what's going to happen in the World Cup. I don't think I'm qualified, but. McKenzie and Griffin both had something to say. Let's see what Griffin had to say on that podcast, his best bet. Okay, without further ado, I'm going to go Netherlands plus one quarter as my best bet for this episode. Wouldn't rush into it. Juices to Argentina. They have the most famous player on the planet. So you might see this even climb to a half before it kicks off. Uh, but I like the quarter. As we talked about earlier, I have interest in Netherlands to advance as well, but um, I'd rather get paid at the end of 90 minutes when they push to extra time. I don't think it's impossible for the Netherlands to win here. I think they have enough offensive potent attack to uh, really make Argentina a little bit concerned. And uh, I think that's going to make this game a little bit quieter and maybe speaks to the two as our, our total lowest by far of any of these matches. But I think the Dutch have a really good chance to go through and, and I wouldn't make them an underdog to Argentina by this much here. So I'm going to go Dutch plus one quarter wooden shoes pancakes. Here we go. And of course, McKenzie Rivers, who joins us here, uh, always on top of the soccer What's your best bet for the quarterfinal round, McKenzie? Let's go to Saturday, late game, England-France, probably the game of the quarterfinals. I got an anti-fun bet for you. This game is set too high. I like under two and a half, minus 125. You look at the history, the 100 years war between these teams. There's so much pressure. No one wants to make that critical mistake. Both managers are notorious for setting their guys back. I think you want to look at the lineups that England is going to announce. I think they're going to announce Hernandez in, Trippier in, Saka out, which will tell you, that defense is the number one priority. All they want to do is stop probably the best player in the world, Kylian Mbappe. And I think France is fine, you know, taking their time trying to win this 1-0. So I like under 2.5 England-France. How about a correlated bet, both teams to score? No. Every time I see this prop up, it's way, way too expensive on the yes. <laughs> People want, you know, action, but the chances that it's going to be something nil are, are way better than than 50-50. Yeah, I, I like the no on both teams to score in that. All right, 10 a.m. Croatia is plus one and a quarter goals at plus 104, uh, minus 120 on Brazil at minus one and a quarter goals. The total in that one set at two and three quarters. Moving on to the late game. By late, I mean two o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. Uh, the Netherlands plus a quarter goal, minus 104. Argentina on the comeback, uh, minus a quarter goal, is minus 112. Moving on to Saturday, Morocco and Portugal. You've got the Morocco team, plus one and a quarter goals at plus 102. Portugal on the comeback, minus 118. Total in that one is two and a quarter. And then, as McKenzie was mentioned, England and France. England plus a quarter at minus 126. France plus 110 on the comeback. And over two and a half, plus 109, you want under two and a half, minus 125. Mackenzie, real quick, with the Asian handicaps, I know it gets confusing for people hearing, you know, what's a quarter, right? What's yeah. a quarter goal, things like that. Basically, if you have a, a side that is plus a quarter, you get, you're basically splitting your bet in two, right? You're splitting yes. your bet as a pick em and as plus a half. Yes, you're making two wagers. So let's say like France minus a quarter goal, plus 110. That means I get a half a bet at France Pick'em plus 110. Very attractive because they're, you know, favored to win. But I also have to get half my other bet on minus half a goal plus 110, which is obviously, you know, not great because then you lose on a tie. But you put it all together, it's a fair line down the middle. Yeah, same thing with the totals as well. You're basically splitting your bet between both sides of that quarter line. Yes, two, two and a half, three, exactly. Very interesting. They call that the Asian handicap. I love it. What a week it has been at the Major League Baseball winter meetings. More moves coming down the pike yesterday. The Mets, a busy, busy team. They re-signed their center fielder, Brandon Nimmo, to an eight-year... <coughs> eight? 
eight years <laughs> for Brandon Nimmo. One hundred and sixty-two million dollars that keeps Brandon Nimmo in a New York Mets uniform, which probably for the rest of his career. The Mets also signed reliever David Robertson, former Yankee reliever, was with the Phillies. One year, ten million dollars. I'm not trying to be an asshole here. Brandon Nimmo's been in the league for seven years. Yeah. And he's averaging nine home runs per season. He's not a home run guy. He's, he's a leadoff hitter. Well, he's a leadoff hitter that hits 269 career. Yeah, he gets on base. He walks a lot. Boy, that gets you an eight-year deal now? He's got. He's a tremendous uh, defensive outfielder. Um, and he's, the, he's the, the, the top of this lineup. It's crazy. I'm, I'm putting it out there. It's crazy. Last season, he had a slash line 274, 367, 433 with 16 homers and a 50 uh, war wins above replacement. Uh, 2021, uh, 292, 401, 437 slash line, eight homers, 3.6 war, but missed us. Uh, only played 92 games. That's 20 million a year for that. Yeah. It's out of control. Yeah. Well, it's the highest payroll in Major League Baseball right now. Um, as uh, Nimmo gets the second richest contract in Mets history. Oh my that's God. Behi- that's behind Francisco Lindor's 10 year deal that he signed last season. Oh my God. Like, yeah. And you know what? It, it is, Lindor signed that last season? Prior to 2021, yeah. So the returns on that contract, they feeling good about that so far? Yeah. Lindor had a great year last year. Okay. Yeah. The first year he was like miserable, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mets are happy. Uh, a great year? Man, yeah. he hit 270. We got to stop with great year. When you're making $300 million, you hit 270? This is what I got to tell people about Major League Baseball contracts, and I said it on yesterday morning show. This is monopoly money. This is fake stuff. All right. These, these, It's amazing that it's all guaranteed and they get all this money, and football players, it's not. It's the stupidest thing in the world. But that's why you have a son that's talented. Yeah. You, you teach them how to throw a curveball. Yeah. <laughs> because they make quite a living. Hey, the Dodgers oh, even signed. Just one time. Yeah, the Dodgers, one time. Let Dodgers get that. signed Jason Hayward to a minor league contract. So Jason, like the yeah. old Braves player, yeah. Jason Hayward? He's only 33 years old. He was like the top prospect in baseball at one point. Yes, like, he was. Can't miss, no doubter. Mm-hmm. And then they gave him a bunch of money, and they were like, well, he stinks at hitting now, but he's a really good defensive player. Yep. No thanks. Yeah, he uh, yeah he was once the five tool guy. He was the 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 next biggest thing in baseball. Signed an eight year, one hundred eighty four million dollar contract with the Cubs in and December twenty fifteen, <laughs> and then was just awful. Uh, uh, great defense though. Give great him credit. Defense. Former All Star. Five time Gold Glove Award uh-huh. winner. I just can't believe he's only 33 years old. That is crazy. I think, he's, I think he started when he was like 20. Like Bryce Harper came to the league with 19 probably. So that's the latest on the Major League Baseball winter meetings. All right, UFC 282 Saturday night. Where's it at? Live from Las Vegas, the fight capital of the world, T-Mobile Arena. And that main event is? Jan Blahovich. Ooh, Blahovich. We, we've, we've talked about Blahovich before. And another guy you'll remember, Magomed Ankalaev. Oh, Ankalaev? Ankalaev is fighting. Is Where's fighting. Ankalaev been at? Uncle- well, well he, Ankalaev didn't come to Thanksgiving. This is the big moment. He was training for this fight. And I'm going to give you a best bet in this one. By the way, the the odds uh, sitting around Ankalaev minus 280, Blahovich plus 235. I'm not playing those odds. I do like Ankalaev. I'm not going to play that, though, at minus 280. What I am going to play is over two and a half rounds. You can get that at minus 140. And listen, these are two guys who are counterpunchers, very patient, and guys who are fighting five-round fights don't want to let cardio affect them. So they're not mm. going to blow their load early in the fight. I think you're going to get a couple moments in this fight where both guys are waiting for the other guy to do something and it's going to sort of devolve into a a, a a staring match. And when you put in some long stretches like that and then these slight bursts of violence, Uncle Iev used to be like a nasty finisher and he's just been playing it safe for the last couple of years. I think he continues to do that. I think he is the better fighter and he's got a wrestling advantage. 
if he leans on his wrestling especially, I think this thing goes long. So I like Ankalaev Blahovich over two and a half rounds in the main event. How do you feel about fight to go the distance? It's a ballsy move uh, because, again, these are guys who are fight. Blahovich has fought five round fights before. Ankalaev hasn't. So this is a it'd be a big step a, a big step for him to make it. So I'm just looking for that over two and a half. That's a good the good line there because if guys would are used play, to fighting three, would you play over three and a half? I'd play over three and a half. It's what plus money, right? Minus one hundred five. Uh, I'll stick with what I got. My I'll, I'll stick with minus one forty over two and a half. And then let's see fight props to go the distance. The yes is plus one forty. No, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna pay the juice. You like it, the juice. I like it, the juice. Any thoughts on Patty the Batty Pimblet against Jared Gordon? Listen, Patty's the big name. That's who everybody's talking about. He's a big favorite, minus 250. I think that he's got some advantages, but I do think he's a very flawed fighter. And Gordon is a solid wrestler. He could hold him down for stretches, but he's not much of a finisher, so he's going to have to hold him down for three rounds and, and not get subbed. Pimblet, a very good submission guy. I'm certainly, I, in, in fact, I would advise that no one lay minus 250 on Patty Pimblett because you're paying a massive tax anyway. Not quite McGregor tax, but it's getting close. And Jared Gordon, just a tough dude. This is the best guy Patty's fought. So uh, Under two and a half minus 150? Mm, I, I'm not, I'm not going to touch it. Okay. I'm not going to touch it. It's I, a five-round fight or? Three-round fight. Three-round fight, okay. Three-round fight. Got a fun Big slate of hockey tonight. Last night was fun. I think I nailed every game last night on my leans. Not a boy. I did give out two picks, though, at pregame.com, and I split. Oh. Yeah. The one loss that I had, I had Red Wings Panthers over six and a half goals. It was 5-1 after the second period. The game ended. Feeling good. 5-1. to one. Oh, I know, no. Live, live total after the second period was like eight and a half. Oh. Uh, yeah, the game there was just uh, no action in the third period, so 5-1 that finished. Um, so now we move ahead to Friday, and we take a look at what's coming up here tonight. You got the Penguins at the Sabres, Pittsburgh, minus 155, total of 6.5. Uh, for Pittsburgh, Chris Letang returned to practice after 10 days. He suffered a stroke, so great to see Chris Letang back on the ice. There's no timetable for his return. He remains out indefinitely. The team is saying he is day-to-day, but he says that he feels great. He's in good uh, spirits, just that it was a scary experience, and then obviously the doctors, you know, wanted to make sure that he is 100% good to go and return to action, but he was on the ice. He was practicing, so a good sign for Chris Letang. Flames at the Blue Jackets. Calgary minus 260. Columbus is coming off a game in which they lost 9-4 to the Sabres, if you remember the other night, that was a game in which uh, Capersalo started in net and got pulled after allowing three quick goals on the first nine shots he faced. They put in Elvis Merzlikens, who currently ranks 78th out of 78 goaltenders in the NHL. Worst of the worst. Worst of the worst. I love he, that guy. He allowed six goals on 21 shots. So if we get Merzlikens in net tonight, We bet against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Islanders take on the Devils. New Jersey minus 190. The Devils 21-4-1. That is the second best record in the NHL, only behind the Boston Bruins. The Kraken are at the Capitals. Washington minus 130. Jets at the Blackhawks. Second night of a back-to-back for Winnipeg, which means Connor Hellebuck probably not in net tonight. Winnipeg minus 150 over the lowly Blackhawks. Rangers in Colorado. Colorado face the Avalanche, New York minus 155, total of six. Wild at the Oilers, Edmonton minus 125. The Bruins, with the best record in the NHL, travel to the Mullet Arena. We haven't talked about the Mullet Arena in a while. As the Coyotes finally play a home game, their first home game since... Oh, man, it's probably 1974. November 3rd? (laughs) November 3rd was their last home game? Well, what happened was... They were building this annex to the Mullet Arena, which was going to serve as dressing rooms, medical rooms, things like that. So they needed time to finish building this thing. So that's why the team went on the road for... Essentially, just two, take away the franchise. <laughs> Let's stop it. Move that franchise to a real, a real market. They that might, cares. They, 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 the city of Tempe might be ponying up some bucks, so the Coyotes might have a home. We'll see. But for now, they play where Arizona State plays at the Mullet Arena, a small 
4,000 seat venue. Jeez. Anyway, uh, it's going to feel like watching an AHL game there. The Coyotes, uh, heavy underdogs, Bruins minus 335. Sharks at the Ducks, San Jose minus 120, total of six. And then the Flyers here in Vegas to take on the Knights. VGK minus 267. I got to be honest with you, don't have a lot of faith in the Golden Knights right now. Why just, not? Just not playing good hockey. How and, dare you? And the Flyers, even though they lose, scrappy, man. I feel like they're getting healthier. This might be a, a take a little flyer on them, but then fade them because they'll have the Vegas flu after the game. <laughs> on the hardwood tonight, Raptors minus 7.5 at Orlando. The Wizards, five-point dogs at Indiana. The New York Knickerbockers minus 4 at the Hornets. The Hawks, seven-point dogs at Brooklyn. The Kings, plus five and a half at Cleveland. The Lakers, three-and-a-half-point dogs in Philadelphia. The Pistons, ten-and-a-half-point dogs at the Grizzlies. And the Suns, one-and-a-half-point favorites at the Pelicans. The nightcap, the Timberwolves, plus three at the Jazz. It's got to be better for the Suns than it was the other night in Chris Paul's return from injury, right? Yes. It's got to be better. Oh, I left one game off. I apologize. And what game was that? Probably the game of the night. Bucks minus one at the Mavericks. That is the game of the yeah, night. Yeah, I probably should have uh, probably should have kept going on the uh, on the card there. So Bucks minus one at the Mavericks. Anything you got? Any lean on that game? Who's who's playing the hot ball right now, Mac? I cashed with Giannis last night. Cashed with Giannis again. I would I would lean to the Mavericks. I don't know why they're uh, getting as much love as they have. They haven't had a good start to the season. I guess the the best player love. Luca's been really phenomenal, and I guess exactly the, they've had one outstanding performer of the season. Yeah, that, that one great player does not make a great team. That's one thing I know for sure, having covered the Houston Rockets for some time. Before we get out of here, AJ, we got one more game to talk about, and that is the Army Navy game that will take place here on t- tomorrow, Saturday in Philadelphia. It's the lowest total that we have seen. For an Army-Navy game. I know we touched on this during the week a little bit uh, about how 16 straight unders, that's baked into the line here. Everybody is rushing to bet this under between Army and Navy on Saturday. I will caution you against one thing. This total, you want to know how low it is. It's the it, it's the lowest that we've seen since maybe ever, since 2005 or so. Like, if you look at the history of the Army-Navy game, in the past, uh, it's gone 10-0, we know that. The under is 43-9-1 in all service academy games since 2005. So it's not just Army-Navy. That is all service academy games since 2005 the under 43, 9, and 1. And yes, we know, 16 straight unders for Army-Navy. However, the 32.5 point total is the lowest total of any of those games since 2005. And 34 out of the 53 games actually went over 32.5 points. So they might have been unders. Yeah. But 34 of the 53 games since 2005 between service academies have gone over 32.5 points. Totals 3.5 point lower than it was a year ago, which is insane that they keep dropping this thing. They're they're waiting. Again, this is sheep to the uh, slaughter. Everybody keeps coming in. Oh, it's, got, it's a, a sure thing. Avenge, I mean, Vegas has been getting their ass kicked on this for a long time. Eventually, they're going to make the number so low that you either take it and lose or you take the other side and and profit are you are you on the the side take the uh, take the over this year air force beat navy 1310 air force beat army 137 yeah air force won the commander in chief trophy congratulations uh man I don't know. Here's what I'll say. I don't know if I could do it. Navy without Ty Lavatai he got hurt back in October. They're they're not the same without him. You need a quarterback who can run that system. Uh, Army I'm, put up 44 points against UMass and 34 points against UConn. 
Dude. They put up 48 points against UL Monroe. They put up 47 points against Colgate. Yeah. They scored 49 points against Villanova. 38 points against UTSA. Here's what I said, and I, this is why I don't want anything to do with this game other than I lean Army here. Army stinks at stopping the run. One of the worst teams in the country stopping the run. And these are two top 10 rushing offenses, so you'd think, oh, well, Navy's just going to run all over them. Except that's what I thought would happen in the Army Air Force game. Same. And when you put the triple option on the field, guess what happens? Army can suddenly stop the run. Mm-hmm. So th- this is a game, you know, I I, uh, I have a, a an emotional tie to this game. I'd like to see Army win. Sure. If I've got emotional attachments, I'm probably not going to put any money on Army it. Army averages 29.4 points per game. Yeah. Obviously, well, it looked different in the game against Air Force, but... <laughs> Man. Well, Tahir Taylor, 301 passing yards, only 16 attempts all season. Yeah. You talk about efficiency, you don't want that, baby. I, I will say this. Army won the uniform battle this year. You guys can judge for yourself on Saturday. But Navy with these NASA uniforms, uh, UCF did it better with the NASA uniforms. The Army, the tank division, the, these uniforms that they are rolling out here tomorrow, Army wins the uniform battle. That's usually the side that I bet on every year is the team who has the better uniforms. So go Army, sink Navy. Let's do it. That's A.J. Hoffman. I'm Scott Seidenberg. He's Mackenzie Rivers over there somewhere. Uh, We're all available on pregame.com for daily packages, season-long packages. So head to pregame.com, click on buy picks, and choose one of your favorite pregame pros to support, and we'll help you win some money as well. And speaking of winning money, At pregame.com, we're giving you a free opportunity to win money. If you go to the contests page and find the Bowl Bash Contest, you can enter for free for your chance to win one of 10 prize packages. That's right. The top 10 places will win prizes in our Bowl Bash Contest at pregame.com. Rules are simple. Again, it's free to sign up. You got to pick at least 20 games. 50 maximum games, the best record, the best winning percentage is going to win the prizes. First place gets $500 cash and $500 pregame bulk dollars, which is like cash that you can spend at pregame.com. Second place, $250 cash and $250 pregame bulk dollars. And then you're telling me this is free. It's all free, AJ. And then third place through 10th place wins a variety of pregame bulk dollars, anywhere from $250 to $100 in pregame bulk dollars. Sounds too good to be true. Go to pregame.com, click on contests, and find the Bowl Bash contest. And if you haven't signed up for pregame.com already, Go ahead and do it and get your $25 free dollars. New members get $25 to spend at pregame.com just for signing up. It takes less than a minute. Go to pregame.com. Use that $25 to get AJ's UFC card this Saturday. McKenzie's NBA card. My NHL daily card. Maybe a game of the week. Maybe a game of the month. Who knows? But it's free with your $25 free uh, cash for just signing up at pregame.com. Have a great, profitable weekend. Enjoy all of the action. And we'll talk to you on Monday, straight out of Vegas, AM.